the one about interviewing because um, Richard and I are actively interviewing after the great 2023 tech layoffs hit us both. Well, I have a I have a joke about this actually. Like they're like the social media is they're, they're summarizing the last few years of, of tech leadership as uh you know after after a pandemic, work from home, right? Mm-hmm. After a little while, work from the office. After that, work for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's a progression. Yeah, it's a ladder. We're just walking the ladder. Yeah, it's accurate. So now we're here, right? So so how do we deal with it? It's a good question. So yeah. uh, we we're discussing this idea of. Uh, you know, like the, the right mental state to get into these interviews. And, and there's so many variables that can happen here. Like, for example, you go into an interview and you're killing it. Like you're doing the right things, but you're you're doing the right things at your level. And you're and the, the person who's interviewing you doesn't have enough experience to understand how to evaluate this or they're, 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 they're trained in the wrong way. So they're looking at the, none of this stuff is something that we can control. So what, what can we control and how can we like get the best outcome? which is get the interview that you want and you have multiple offers and choose from them. Yeah. So I think, go ahead, Richard. So one, one thing that's on my mind is like, even just when I'm scheduling. So there's, there's this weird thing. So it's like, you know, put in your availability for this. And sometimes it's hard to know which round comes at which, right. But there's a study where essentially like judges right before lunch would give a harsher sentence because they were hangry. Right. And so after lunch, they were better, they were happier, they were right. So one thing to think about is if your technical round is, you know, right before lunch, uh, try to try to get a different slot maybe, or like, you know, something else, <laughs> same right. thing for late in the day. But, you know, beyond that, really what I'm getting at is you are a human interviewing, but the person interviewing you is also a human and, um, you know, they, they've probably done this thing a bunch of times and they can get stressed. So it's a, it's a high burden for the interviewer who's also in a stress position to also help that other person through their stress position. But that's kind of the first thing that I'm aware of is uh, if I'm just staring at a wall, that's uncomfortable for them as much as it is for me. And usually there's something that I have that I'm thinking through that I just can't make a decision on. Um, so trying to make it more conversational, I think is a, I'm not saying that's easy. But I am saying that I've, I've, you know, I, I interviewed more than 300 people at, at, when I was at Wayfair for people coming into Wayfair. And um, there, was, there was somewhere I needed to take a break after, right? It was just, it was tough. And the, the hardest ones are always where someone's clearly not having. Yeah, that, that reminds me of that hack about, uh, they say when you're going on vacation or having some experience, what you know, there's like the active in the moment self, and then there's the remembering self and the remembering self like contextualizes things around certain variables. And they say the most important things about those experiences that you remember to contextualize it are what was the highest point during this and how did it end? Yes. So during an interview, you want to focus on having one really good part of it and then ending on a really good note <laughs> because that's how later the person is going to go back and think about it. I like 100%. the hack too about like, if you want to end it really well, it's it's your time for asking questions usually towards the end. So you can ask them about things that will conjure very positive things in their head. Like, what do you imagine the perfect person for this role looks like? 
and they're going to start associating the perfect person with mm -hmm. you because you're sitting right in front of them and they're talking about it and like you're just mm -hmm. you're just hacking their brain to be like <laughs> oh this person is the perfect person <laughs> yeah exactly and along no, I... those lines how do you like you know uh project the that energy like of the of being that perfect person i think if you go into the interview with the mentality of hey for myself like i'm not doing this to prove myself to somebody else i'm doing this because hey i'm i'm gonna like do this challenge because i want to do this challenge and it's a nice opportunity and i'm thankful for being in this position so i can like you know have a little bit of fun that's pretty much the 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 mentality that i go in with these things why because we don't control what the other person is going to do anyway i mean to the extent right. that we can with the with the timing of the lunch and, and but besides that like our energy is another way to like you know project how we how people perceive us right and it's all about perception we have very limited time if we're coming in with the energy of like oh my god i'm so worried that what if they don't even know about the special talent that i have in this area and i have to like how can i like you know get them to understand this no 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 you just come in there and you just have fun and that's it that's pretty much the it sounds maybe a little bit silly but i think that works oh, that's true yeah that's true. i think I think that is easier for us than so like if I think back to when I first was applying for my first job straight out of college and I had an enormous amount of credit card debt and want to move back in with my parents and it happened to be that the engineering environment was like I got accepted to literally every place I applied and got a variety of offers and so like I think I got very lucky I think for us having a lot of experience it's probably not so stressful and we can kind of just like, we can kind of take that stance, but I imagine it would be pretty difficult for somebody right now in this climate, just sure, getting yeah. out of college, applying to a place like, well, man, me, that's gotta be hard to get to that mentality of just positivity. So um, like, let me share a little bit more about that. So like my dad, he's a, a salesperson, like he, like in the rug business, you know, family business is all about carpets, rugs. And, uh, and like, when he's selling rugs to people, he, he told me, like, he said, if you, like, you know, we know our bill situation. We know, like, okay, if we don't make this sale, we're in trouble kind of thing. And he knows that if you come to the energy of, like, oh, shit, we need to make the sale and no matter what, that doesn't sell. Yeah. What sells is we don't even need this sale. What sells is, like, I don't even, like, if this rug is fantastic. You want it? I don't care if you want it. I want this. You want it yeah. more than me? Let's see. <laughs> you know? Like, totally. that's that's the kind of, uh, like, mentality that goes into the sale. And and it's, there's a, the sales, the sales uh, skills is apply here. Like, this is date, like, what is an interview? Exactly. It's a date. You're right? selling it's yourself. A yeah. it's, a, it's a sale. You know, th that's pretty much what, what it is. And, and you have to use those tactics. You have to, like, bring the energy level. Like, you cannot... You can, if you come in there wearing like, oh, I really need this job and I really do anything. Imagine if a candidate came up to you and you were interviewing them. And, right. and then you were saying, like, they were saying, uh, like, I just will do anything for this job. You're just like, you know, that's not the right way to yeah. sell yourself. No, I think you're right, Ref. And I, I think like one of the, like, one of the things in the space is, do you need the worry? And to what degree does worry help? And I think there's different motivators but worry is one of these things that doesn't actually get you into the right space. And if you're at the, in the worry zone, in some ways, like the other way to describe worry is I'm going to push this forward with bad energy, new age or whatnot, but that's fine. I mean, I think like bringing, bringing the force of bad energy as a propelling force, um, 
it kind of doesn't work. And so like, it's a, it's a different bar. It's a, maybe a higher bar. It's, it's more challenging, but I think for me personally, the way I think about it is when I started doing these coding practices, I brought bad energy to it because I didn't really, I didn't think it should be a thing, right? It was like, oh, like, this is a bunch of nonsense. I know how to do this stuff. Like, I, I haven't met a problem that I haven't been able to figure out. Why, you know, why, why, why? Cry, 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 why, why, why? Right, so like, that's that was the energy that I brought to it, even when I was practicing. And I think the turning point for me was saying, look, I can have the bad energy, but I have to go put myself in a corner and like wait it out and come back to it and, and provide good energy. And I think, you know, even just in, in the conversations that the three of us have had, like in the past couple of weeks, I think each of us finding that source of good energy is really challenging sometimes, but it is the, it is the most sustaining propelling forward point. Like it really, like I've, I've been on the other side where it's like clearly negative energy powering them. And all I do, I do I, like, I'm not evaluating them. All I'm doing is trying to get them in the good energy spot. Some people it takes it takes a lot to get there. Sometimes, you know, in a one hour interview, I as an interviewer would spend thirty minutes just calming them down. Right? It's just like, okay, you've done this job before. Tell me about the good things and think about the good memories of when you did this job. Let's talk about that, right? Or let's roll this back. Forget about the algorithm. Forget about whatever else is going on because. I wasn't getting anything otherwise. <laughs> right. Your brain shuts down when it you does. when you're in that worry, like nervous state. Like for example, the way the way I like so I I was in the family business before I was an engineer. So I like that was my first area of like you know jumping into the real world kind of thing, and uh, and like when you when you're worried about your bills and you you're worried about like making payroll, you can't think of the creative business ideas that will make you more revenue. You're just okay. focused on like like what costs can I cut right? Not where can I add revenue, right? And to me, it's like in the interview, it's like, if you're worried about, hey, I, I, I have all these like credit card bills, I need to like, you know, pay them off. You're not going to be like, oh, now I'll find the like the perfect the optimal, like, you know, solution for this algorithm. That's not the right, like you can't, like your brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right? It needs it needs to be in a positive state for you to come up with the creativeness. And I will say too, like, depending on the candidate, I think the ability to do that work themselves and to be able to break the problem down into smaller sub problems, right? Just internally, like, I don't know what else is going on, but let me prove that I can write a loop. That's, that's like, <laughs> if, if anyone's in an interview and they feel like they're in a panic zone, go to that. It's like, look, I'm getting distracted here. I don't know what's happening. So recently, right? I, I, um, I had something and I knew in, in Python, I wanted to use a deck, right? A, a double a queue. And, but I was like, I was looking at it and I was like, I'm going to screw this up. And I said that to the interviewer. I was like, look, this is what I want to use. I don't want to waste your time. So I'm going to do something stupider instead. But if I thought about it, <laughs> that's what I go. So in the meantime, I'm going to show you that I can do stuff without getting caught up on this stupid implementation detail. That really doesn't matter. Right. And, and the, you know, maybe I lose points by doing that. Cause it's like, why is this person nerve wracking? But, um, my, what I was trying to do in that moment, I'll say if it worked out, um, is like get myself unstuck. And I think for someone coming into a company, getting stuck in the face of ambiguity, higher, higher, that kind of defines in, in a lot of ways, like what I think of as like deserving of like the higher roles. So the higher role 
there's all these like spreadsheets and like competencies throw all that out the window just say look more ambiguous more i don't know what's happening and you don't get stuck you get promoted i'm gonna have to start every tech interview now is it okay if i use google's copilot and is it okay if i use chat gpt <laughs> <laughs> although i'd probably be terrified if they're like yeah you can use chat gpt this is not what i expected <laughs> later on it's going to be can i use chat gpt sure i am chat gpt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking to him bud <laughs> yeah. uh, i i have to say I hate the word energy because it's generic and it's used in a lot of woo-woo area, yep. non-scientific. So how do you, how do you get, so if we're talking about like getting in a certain state of mind, it sounds like what we're talking about is uh, context and framing for yourself going into it, yep. but are there any definitely tricks to get there? Like, can I, is there a power yeah. stance or a certain juice mix I can drink? Like, what do we, <laughs> what, do you, what can you do to like, reframe the problem totally. in a way that's healthy I'll, I'll, I'll so that youtube link that you shared which oh boy this is great for podcasting but it was like it was i think it was a royal society and it was talking about www i love it when people say www especially when we don't need to type www anyway um it was about essentially how the brain works and so i will define negative energy and positive energy the following right Negative energy is someone who's stuck in a loop mm. and they can't get out of the loop. That's all it is. And so if your brain is um, churning on a loop, essentially what you will observe physically is their face scrunching up and you can observe your own face feeling tight. That's because you're stuck in a loop. The other, the other side, the other extreme is you're not stuck in a loop, but nothing you say makes sense. <laughs> So good energy is not stuck in the loop, but sometimes good, maybe too much good energy. Uh, that's where the balance is. So I guess you want the right balance between not getting stuck in the loop and actually like, you know, continuing this, in a logical fashion. This is diving right down Vipassana meditation. This, like this is exactly what the, one of the lessons was in that uh, Vipassana meditates the concept of Anicca, which is like, not uh, basically not wanting anything. So I don't yes. want to feel good. I don't want to feel bad. I am just like in a state. And what they say is the only way to keep feeling bad about something is to ruminate. It's to loop yes. on it. Yes. So like the only way to keep that going is if you're thinking. So if you observe that it's looping, a lot of times it, it, you, you just ob observe it until it just kind of just dissipates. And you can go from ruminating on something for hours or days to bringing it down to like minutes if you if you have a good one of the promises of i think I'm, I'm for me like a negative thinking externally like i'm thinking about like what other people should right but mm -hmm. i'm but if i'm thinking internally of like hey listen like here's what i want and here's what i'm gonna do like you know like i guess wanting is, is a bad word but um like i guess i would say like no no one is pushing me towards a goal i am i am going towards it myself because of the reasons that make me want to go towards it rather than like so basically like for my philosophy it's like if anyone is telling me to do something why would i ever do it if i don't want to do it yeah. so like that's something that's uh that's kind of weird to say like you know of course you gotta do something that you don't want to do but my 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 superpower here would be i 
convince myself that I want whatever it is I am doing. And if I don't convince myself, I don't do it. Right. Yeah. Of course, like if you want a job, like if you have a job, like you need a job, like does everyone want the job? No. But at the same time, is like there's always good things about the job. There's always good things about everything. No matter what there is, no matter what situation you're in, there's always good things. There's always bad things too. But I focus on what the good things are and I and I and I and I uh um and I I, I do it because I want to do it. Right. No one, no one, like if you're, if you're saying like, someone's like, Hey, do this. Like, I'm not going to, I can't work that way. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I can't work that way. If, if someone's like, do this, I will have to then tell myself like, hmm, do I want to do this? And then talk to myself for a little bit and be like, okay, I want to do it. Okay. I'm, I'm the same way. I was thinking through the question that they always ask of like some, well, and I think that like, yes. I didn't at all. It's so hard for me. Like my framing is we together are working towards a shared goal. And I think that's the healthiest way that a team can operate. And so if somebody comes at me from a position of authority telling me to do something, I struggle to <laughs> reorient them around like, okay, how is the thing that you're telling me a thing that we are working towards together towards a shared goal? Because that's probably what it is underneath. That person just took the mm -hmm. wrong way to communicate that. Uh, yeah, I, I struggle with that a lot. But, well, so but the framing, the framing there is like, uh, it, uh, it sounds like you're doing it for you. And I think it's equally important that people interview companies than companies interview people. So that's another good way to, I'm trying to suss out if these people that are interviewing me are people that I want to work with. That's because this is going to be a big part of right. my life. So. I think what you're talking about too is, is power, right? And so I think what you both identified is that the, and there's, folks that have studied this as like research around there's different types of power and the power that you're both um not happy about is something that no one's happy about which is hierarchical power right so i'm i'm i have power because i'm your boss and so the um generally the the, the learning from that the understanding is that like you can use that in very limited times of crisis for defining crisis as being like one or two or maybe five percent or i don't know i don't know what the number is but you know something on that order and so you can so it's point being hierarchical power is power but it's also really weak power mm -hmm. and if you use it more than you need to you've actually underserved yourself because you're leaning on something that needs and so you know there are other sources of power such as such as like uh being a likable person <laughs> knowing things that someone else doesn't know um you know, there's, there's all different sorts, but so one, one thing that you can do to hack that is to understand if someone's coming at you with hierarchical power, right? Positional power, if that's what they're leaning into, what they're actually communicating to you in that moment is that they have no other tools. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, and so they're actually in a position of weakness. And so it's this funny thing where it, it, it feels like strength, but it's actually weakness underneath. And I think being able to identify that, I think you're, you're, both of you are identifying that weak power that's hard to communicate. So what I will say is for anyone who feels like, you know, in the past few weeks, they've used a, their position of power in that type of way, <laughs> understand that it's not as strong as you think it is. People probably don't love it um, and are willing to walk away from you if you keep using it. Right. Here's an example of this whole meeting. The, the sprint, uh, the sprint, like how are we gonna? We it found it came up that uh, some of some of us were using time-based pointing, 
mm-hmm. and some of us using complexity-based pointing. And the idea is like, oh, we should standardize on what we're doing. And my no. point was that was like, listen, don't standardize. We, we can have this. Com- we can have this discussion. Everyone's going to just keep doing what they do because how are you going to just? Oh yeah, I've been doing this for twenty years. I'm going to just, oh, just, just change my ways like right now because we have a thirty-minute meeting. That's not how it works. <laughs> oh, but the 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 lesson that I would have taken from that is that the points don't freaking matter. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. If you're getting along fine with two people doing completely different sort of lessons, <laughs> stop estimating. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, exactly. No, it, 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 small aside there. I think like, um, again, a different YouTube video. Which, so like, if, if the discussion of the points is just, I don't know, run a random number generator between two or three, you're missing the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise for the points, right, is really just like, what's the thing, what's the origin of the misunderstanding we have, right? Of, like someone thinks that something is more complex or less and like having that discussion is the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, it's clarifying the problem and it is an opportunity exactly. for tech leads to show um, different ways of doing things and trade-offs and, and talking through trade-offs and those sorts of things. The points literally that, yeah, we talked about the hashtag no estimates, if you, everybody looks that up on YouTube. And the data shows that the accuracy of the estimates are equivalent based on if people are giving their best possible estimates versus giving a one on each ticket. Right. So like literally, there's no difference between putting a one on every ticket and <laughs> doing your best estimates. Just stop estimating. <laughs> well, no, the the, esti- the process of estimating is good. Like, communicate like what's going on and like what are the initiatives. And, right. Like, you know, share- but you don't need to estimate as part of that process, you can you can get at those things in other ways. I, I think one here's my hypothesis. Actually, like you know, I, have, I haven't shared this, but this is my hypothesis, which is that estimating is a matter of you as an individual looking at every single person on the team, getting a sense for what number they will come to, and then going towards their numbers, right? And basically, no matter where you start with, the team will converge to eventually getting the same number for the ticket. Right. That's and and that not uh, like, you know, the, the yeah. goal isn't like, hey, do we have the proper estimate? The goal is like, can we just move on? <laughs> so how quickly yeah, can no, we move okay. on by getting the same number? Well, right. So I think I think that's accurate. And, and I think that's kind of the like, if there's something to talk about, we should talk about it. If there's nothing to talk about, we should not talk about it. Right. And I think what you're talking about is like a, a mechanism towards that end. Right. Yeah, I think I think what I would do what we almost landed on the last team I was on was every ticket should be a two uh, if it's to be broken up, if it's small. So instead of estimating, basically where we're going through each ticket and saying, and if anybody had um, had thoughts about it being not a two, then there's a discussion point there. If everybody agreed it's a two, because we still had to put numbers on things. For- so speaking about estimating, how do people then uh, review an interviewer and give a rating? Like how do how do you yeah. how, do people, how does that work? Oh god, so, it's so it's so hard. Well, no, so I I think that here's the most important thing I think for anyone to, to understand. If you if you are interviewing folks and you view your job as producing a boolean, you're doing it wrong, right? No one's a boolean. Humans are more way more crazy than a boolean. A float here. floats better. Floats still not great, right? Paragraphs of text saying strengths and weaknesses, all that kind of stuff, right? Did not finish the problem. Not, not an issue. Like, that's not a thing. 
<laughs> that's that's you know revert basically any kind of behavior that reverts us to booleans means that we're missing the bigger picture and you can try to compensate for that by like creating 60 different booleans and trying to measure that but no one is going to be able to deal with that and it doesn't really capture the same thing as here's a paragraph describing what it is they're doing here are their potential strengths here's the things i'm nervous about so here's my here's my like dilemma with this right on one side I truly believe that literally anybody could be good in any role, right? Given the right, like, mental state, true. the right energy, the right attitude, like the right support, you know? And if that's true, then why would we ever, like, reject somebody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so, of course, that's like, okay, we obviously, that's not the way the world works. So, So then, like, where am I wrong? Well, so I think the first thing is if you have someone who comes in and so this is this is where energy or you know getting stuck in a loop or not this is what I will redefine is, is so I'll replace the word energy with getting stuck in a loop or not. So if we have people who are coming into an interview and they're stuck in a loop and you can't get them out of it, that might be true when you come in. So Raph, what, there's, there's a I think you're exactly right with one key exception, which is that if they're always stuck in a loop, there's literally nothing you can do for them, right? Because you can't teach them they're they're like. They're just not going to happen. Like nothing's going to happen. That's true. Yep. But you're right. I mean, I think otherwise, like figuring out what kind of support that person needs, what's their expertise, what are the things, what are the books that they have to read. I think you're, you know, to go, to go even further, you know, do you need undergraduate education? Do you need to read these different books? What uh, to what degree do you need those to do the ticket that's about changing the color to blue from green? Right, like. Probably not that much. And so you could do both of those things at the same time. Um, and I think organizations that can capture that, I, I kind of define that as like a, a learning culture. There's a lot of focus on that, right? Learning cultures are like the most important thing for any business, right? It doesn't even matter what industry, like it's, it's not even specific to tech, right? Yeah, so. it doesn't even matter for the business, it matters for like the person. Well, it's your culture yeah. about learning, right? Like, well, but the business gets just as much out of it though, right? And I right, think that's right. the thing is that like, um, but so, when you so, when you're when you're interviewing your career as the person you you want somebody who and you want somebody who and the, the team that you're hiring for would totally. those are all important factors to in, in the role. So the so it really in my mind it's about fit and if it, however you can determine if this person naturally fits best with what you're looking for in that role that's like a good way to judge it. Like I wouldn't want to you know, right. into a computer science role, if that's like very not what they're used to, what their habits are, and what they're, you know, hey, I, I will counter that if they can, if they can answer one of those damned algorithm questions about the little buckets of water, because they know how to paint in the little yeah. thing, <laughs> hire that person. Yeah. So I'll give you an example, like, uh, um, so one fit, right. But how can we know if we are great at knowing what fit, the right fit is? Yeah. Right. Like, so that's, that's the key contradiction. So, so fit is, is a thing that's complicated. It has different shapes when every, you know, I heard, uh, I was talking to someone who said adding one person to their team means that that old team, basically like it's a, it's an entirely new team. Think about the team entirely differently because that person's adding something to the team fit for the next person on the team means something different now than it did a week ago. I think here's, here's the core thing is that like, that fit problem, the fitness problem, right? Do push-ups. Um, 
<laughs> that fitness problem is complicated. And so the entire, um, essentially interviewing process that we have in, in all industries is an attempt to tackle that complexity by simplifying things. The problem is when, when it's simplified, it's not necessarily simplified in the way that gets to the end goals. It becomes a thing in itself, right? So you have a problem, you try to solve it with some other structure. You start optimizing the structure, not actually solving the problem, right? So I think, I think every interviewing process has that as, as like an aspect, a, a significant aspect of like what's going on. And that's where it takes folks who understand the core needs and the core measure of fit to really drive the decisions. That well, let me tell you a, a little bit of a crazy. So one, the, w the reason I got into programming was because I wanted to hire a friend of mine who was an excellent programmer. I was in the family business. I wanted to have some tools that made my job easier. And I knew exactly what I wanted. And I wanted to hire him. And he was like, no, I'll teach you. And then I did it. And now I'm here, right? Yep. So the idea is like, you know, I wouldn't hire a painter. Well, let's say you have a business, right? And you want to like, you know, have a proper, you know, you have shareholders, you have all the things that, you know, you want to, you want a good fit, you want to have fun. There's literally no more like better thing than having a long-term learning cycle for folks to like, Hey, listen, yep. yeah, you can learn like this, but it will take you a year. Like it'll take you two years, you know? So why are we looking for folks to be like, Oh, you've already done that learning and you know exactly what to do from day one. And there's no room for, Hey, I need to learn this. Versus like, hey, people are like, you know, going to be great in the role if you just give them the right time and support, right? Yeah. So, like, but different different businesses will have different needs, right? If I'm a startup and I need this product out in the next year, I can't make a right. three-year roadmap for well, somebody to learn something. So it, but, but I would if that was what I had to do. But the idea is there's a, and somebody out there is a, is a closer to exactly what we need to hit the ground running than somebody else. So that's the. That's how I'm going to judge like who I want to hire right now. Well, look, look at this though. So like when I was early in my career, there's a lot of companies who rejected me, right? Who now they're not even in my market. Like I'm not, would never like work at those companies because yeah. they're, they're not like, like I'm, I'm too talented for those jobs now. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So isn't that crazy? Like how that it is. Like, like, so that imagine now you're, you're I in your talent. <laughs> So, I would never think of myself as too talented to work at a place. Well, what well, well, what I mean is like, uh, okay, would you work at like McDonald's flipping burgers? Right. Oh, I see. Like a different career. No, I'm talking about programming, but still there, there's still some jobs that are just, they don't require a certain level of like, Hey, I'm going to invent stuff. Yeah. So, um, like, so if you look at like the jobs you're applying for now and if they reject you because of what reason, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, like how much talent, how much experience you guys have? Like, what what could be the reason? <laughs> that, so that they, anxiety. Yeah. My, my fear is that now that I have 15 years experience, there's a certain expectation that goes along with that, that I might not live up to. That's like, that's right now about applying to places. They're like, oh, we need a, you know, principal engineer to like drive strategy. For front so end you're saying... Like, you, you, might not know you do that though but i mean i think that would stress it would stress you but like i don't know i mean i mean i could do it it's just i just well so here's here's the thing so here's the thing on that and i like i don't diverge too much but i think this is an important point i think going into a space where you haven't done the thing before but you have the network and this like point being dan you going to that role makes you nervous i think that's a good thing for you to feel 
Mm-hmm. The other thing, here's, here's the way to soothe that anxiety. You, you essentially like, it's the same thing as you're saying when the, the place interviews you, you interview them. When you're a lead, I think a lot of folks get confused as to like what, where leadership is. And I think what, what you're having is like a, a subcase of the, if you're going to lead, you need to be able to listen to the folks that will tell you the answer. The answer is in the organization. It's not necessarily in your brain. And I think in some ways that's like the, the leadership role is in some ways extracting the good ideas of the folks around us. Right. And I think the, the view that like, just, you know, you alone are going to fix it and that's whatever you might have the answer, but your answer, you know, requires a refactor that's going to take too long. Right. Um, having, being able to take those signals in and then think about what the iterative, uh, iterative approach is. Right. That's, that's what kind of fills that in. And so reason, reason I'm talking about it, right. Is that like, I think where, that same thought process for yourself also mirrors on the other side, right? So the question is, so sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that the potential, someone's potential is beyond the experiences that they had that were on paper, right? Exactly. Exactly that. Right. So to me, the role of leadership is take the people you have and get the goal that you want. That's what leadership is, right? Like they're not the ones who are knowing the answer of how to lead the organization, right? Like for this technical thing. That's why they're looking for somebody to do that. And the goal of leadership is to set them up for success, make sure that they actually achieve the goal and support them because literally nobody knows everything. Yeah. And even if the person who exactly did the role that they're hiring for did before, that's not why would they look for that role again? They're looking for the next role. Yep. So they cannot hire somebody who already did the role exactly the way they wanted it to because that person has gone somewhere else. And and also the context in which they made those decisions were likely drastically different. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the key things that's so if you're interviewing someone and you're looking for a leader, if you are pattern matching on whether they on on paper have done the same thing before, what you're really heading towards is a level of anxiety <laughs> around being able to do it at your company. And the most important thing that you as an interviewer can ask that candidate is how do you take in new inputs and make different decisions? <laughs> how do you adapt, right, to a different circuit set of circumstances? Because if you don't ask that question, what's going to happen is you're going to get someone who has done the thing in a different context and their answers have like no bearing on reality for your current company and you are in a bad state. That's not good. So leaders need to be adaptable. The only way that they're adaptable is by having a, a library of experiences such that day day one, I had this one experience and then it's a binary, you know, day two, did I use day one's experience or not, right? Mm-hmm. Over time, that thing that, you know, list fills out such that if day one solution doesn't work, you have a day 60 solution, which is distinct, right? Which was an iteration on that. That's That to me is why experience matters, right? It's, it's really about having that portfolio of things that you can filter through and find different ways to combine things in order to come to the answer. It's never, it's so what I will say as a final point here, if you just take that day 60 and say, my answer is day 60, you fail. Mm-hmm. And the reason you fail is because you had a day 60 solution based on a different context, new company, new context, new, new iteration on that. And, and people not being able to iterate on, on that answer is, is really problematic. I, oh, I, I, I see this a lot, right? Like it, it's, it's something that, oh, I'm a leader and I know better. The answer is four. 
just like make it four. I don't care. Like get out of my face. You're all dumb. The answer is four and I quit. <laughs> right. So well, the answer then, is to rewrite it in Rust. Obviously. Exactly. <laughs> given any problem, you feel like you could solve it given the right support. Yeah, I think so. Organizations implicitly have to in some kind of way. And right, I, I think that's like, so the other thing that I'll throw in here, right, is we're all limited by time and, you know, learning and whatnot is is crucial. But if you get stuck in the learning things and you forget about needing to make money, now you can't pay anyone to learn, you know, to have the capacity to learn. And so there is like, there always has to be a balance between the learning phase and making sure that, so the learning phase is crucially important. But if the learning phase occludes any opportunities for results, that's a problem. And so really the, the way I think about it is like the results have to be like the learning has to come from results. If learning um, is disconnected from that, now you have a potential issue where there's, there's um, mm-hmm. you're learning stuff that doesn't matter. You're doing things. That- yeah. It's like that thing of uh, everybody likes to. Uh, reuse components. Exactly. Are you, are you exactly, creating yeah. templates and are you learning new technologies and are you moving code bases around for yeah. an actual tangible benefit or are you missing that this code base is unfamiliar, but it is modular and has good separation of concerns. So we're going to learn it rather than rewrite it. That, that's such a classic engineering team mistake. Yeah. There's one more, one more thing that's important to know, I think, which is, uh, so Dan, you're saying like, you know, your your biggest fear is that you won't know how to do the thing. Like, no Well, it, it's more that in the interview phase that I have sort of an imposter syndrome where the expectation for somebody with my resume is going to be so high that I'm going to get into, into an interview and they're going to be like, you know, how, how do you, uh, how do you deal with a stubborn board of directors person who's like right. talking about some finance, like a bunch of stuff that I have had no, um, no touch point on because I've worked because right. of my experiences, like certain places, which so I- here's, here's why I think that's actually a superpower, right? So one is just tell them, <laughs> just tell them like, listen, I've done a lot of things. I haven't done everything. Right. So, but I'm also like very, like you can, if you sell, if you, if you get the interviewers and especially the, like the hiring managers of the company, whatever the company is, like the, not the interviewer maybe, but the company knows that, Hey, you are actually like nervous that you don't know everything. Those kind of people do more work <laughs> for yeah. the company, right? Cause they're, they're, they're like, it's, it's the classic imposter syndrome. You have, you have there, you know, they say like everybody has imposter syndrome. Well, some people can't go to sleep at night because of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and some people can, the ones who can't, they do more work <laughs> because they're, they're they literally <laughs> cannot like the anxiety that's associated with the imposter syndrome causes them to do things above and beyond to the point where they understand the details very well. But that sounds like it could be unhealthy. Well, the, 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 that's a superpower for people to hire. Like if you're hiring, which one would you hire? The person who's going to do eight times more work because they, they literally cannot well, sleep. Well, it depends on how quickly they're going to burn out from that, right? I don't want somebody to have a unhealthy mental state because you're, of their you're Some people's years, mental I mean, state might be unhealthy no matter what you do. So right. I'll, I'll call that out. That's, right. yeah. You're 15 but, years in the industry. You're, you're still here. Okay. That's a, that's a good sign, right? So you know how to manage your own burnout and your own, your own self. Yeah. So... That's a superpower. Yep. Sell it. Don't don't be afraid of it. 
here, here's an important thing to what you were saying, Raf, is that like, I, I, I like the framing of selling. And so when you sell, you don't know how to sell unless you know what the person needs. Mm-hmm. If you're selling fish, right, and they want Lego bricks, it's not really going to be a match there, right? So the way I translate that to your, situ- your situation, Dan, is essentially like, if they're asking you for a time, when you talked to Steve Jobs, well, okay, uh, uh, okay, well, why are you asking? So the, so the thing you can do as a candidate, why are you asking me that question? Or what's the underlying concern that you want to get to? Oh, well, one person, you're going to say, well, I want you to be able to talk about Steve Jobs um, because I really like Steve Jobs. And it's like, okay, anything that you say at that point, it doesn't really matter. It's fine. This person's whatever. The second thing is Steve Jobs to, to them represents someone who has a high likelihood of screaming back in your face. Oh, so you want to talk about a time when, um, so basically the, the, the core concerns, the things that they ask might be hidden from the actual question itself. And I think getting at the hidden intent behind the question um, is difficult, but if you're feeling stuck, try to get it. You can ask about the intent. And then there's almost always like something in there like, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know a time when someone was shouting at me and, you know, it was very public in the lunchroom and it was not comfortable, um, you know, whatever, you know. This is a recurring thing of like, instead of feeling like you're getting stuck, just get curious. I love yep. the curiosity stance too. be like, exactly. oh, man, this isn't working. And I thought it was going to work or, oh, man, I've never heard that before. That's really interesting. Let me. Let me dig into it and let me, you know. So I, I think it. what Richard is saying is, is is different. Like, it's more like, hey, I need to understand what the problems of the interviewer are. Like, what what are they, what are their concerns? What right? do they want? What do they want? And like that, and getting, and like asking, like being able to like reveal, getting them to reveal that is a sales skill. But isn't it, can't we assume things that every interviewer wants? Like the no. thing that no. I want to get further in my own career. Somebody had a coworker. I help the company. I want Somebody had a coworker that had a bad experience with them and they're really worried about that same experience again. They want to avoid that. So they're focused on that. How can you answer that question? Or somebody is like, hey, I don't know how to deal this thing. And actually wish somebody who had this experience. Okay, boom, I have that. Or I want someone I can like teach, like mentor. Like, can you, are you willing to be mentored? Or I want to be mentored by you. Can you mentor me? Yeah, yeah. There's a million things that are personal. Everything is personal. So so if somebody is just putting a coding question in front of you, how do you, pivot that to get at what i don't know or is or is that just are you or are we talking more about the behavioral side more behavioral but i think i can apply to coding too i mean i think if i so the way that i translate that in a coding round is if i have a really complex question which i know the candidate has a a slim chance of getting through all the extensions right if they see that and they literally do nothing and they write zero code right like not even not even a function definition that's empty, right? I will then try to work through, okay, just forget, be able to forget about this other complicated thing, please, for the love of God, and just write me a function definition. Mm-hmm. Now you have two states. One person, one is, I've actually, I've ran into this a bunch. The candidate doesn't want to listen to the person. They don't want to write the function definition. They want to think about the hard problem instead. They get stuck. That's actually a listening issue. That person might not work well with others. There's another one. 
They can't write the function definition because it's been five years since they've code coded and they feel nervous about it and they don't, they feel, they feel like they're going to get it wrong. I said, so then my next step with them is try to draw that out. They're not going to say it because they feel embarrassed about it, but then have them, I said, just, just write this, hit execute, look at the output. They're going to look at the output. They're not going to know what's going on. Right. I said, okay, let's read this word by word, <laughs> you know? Let's look this up on Google. What does a function look like, right? On, you know, and, and like, let's, let's get this through. Then at least they've done something that can feel good about that. The point is to get them on a trajectory that's like positive facing, right? And I think uh, a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of effort. That's a lot of like manual effort for me as an interviewer to go through, which is why sometimes when I'm at the end of it, I'm tired. But I think the alternative is that you just, you're rejecting folks that you shouldn't reject, right? And that's really unfortunate. Like this person's talented. They have a lot of skills. They got nervous, whatever it is. And, you know, whatever. So, so point being, the thing that I could care about in a coding exercise could be, are they capable of like listening? <laughs> are they capable of Googling something? Are they capable of like try, just trying something? And honestly, what I will say is indications of that being an issue in the interview that those same conditions for the interview are going to happen on day one. And they're probably going to happen on day two. They're probably going to happen on day three. And if they happen in a day four, you might not want to, you know, hired that person. Right. Um, that that's something that you can't work with. And that's pretty much the problem with the interview is that we cannot hire people on day three and let them go on day four. You hire them in, on day one and then you're there forever. <laughs> like that's, there's no, like if, if we could have had a system where people can act more easily, try and 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 like you know see how the fit actually is yeah then that would work but right now i, I, I yeah. didn't google and facebook have have interviews like that before where it's like you spend a week on a team i know with facebook how how they were doing it a couple of years ago was you would interview uh generically and then you would would um be introduced to five to ten different uh, that all need an engineer and then you would pick which three teams you want to tour each one and at the end and I think with Google, they had a thing where it's like, you're not even hired, but you can work on, on both sides, feel it out. And that's, then, that's a dream scenario. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think Google is like 15 companies in one. So like, it's probably not every. When I was looking for my next role, uh, I, there was a company I was actually wanting to join and I asked them like, can I like work with you guys part-time? Like, you know, like to see how it is because like yeah. I had a good gig. Like, it's not like my job was awful. I, I liked it. It just, there was other things I wanted to do and I didn't want to like, it's, it's so crazy to like leave your job for like a maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's always what it is. Yeah. Right? It's always, you know, it would be really cool. Cause the whole paying somebody, if companies just like live streamed pairing sessions on yeah. Twitch more and I could just tune in for the code base, the people like for Here's, here's the thing though. I think what, what I'm going to suggest is you as a candidate treat the interview process as exactly that. I think that's, that's the important thing is that like in some ways that that is what the interview process should be. And if you're not getting that out of that thing, <laughs> finding a good way to surface that can be challenging. Um, but point being a coding round, if you're dealing with a really hard problem and you don't know how to solve it, but you do know how to solve something else, do a sub problem of that complex problem, right? And at least be able to iterate on that and see where, what the interviewer does. So here's, here's a call out 
all candidates, I don't know, this is like, I'm sending a bat signal. If you're, if you're, if you're a candidate and you're interviewing somewhere and you have someone who is interviewing you, right. And that person interviewing you is only looking for a Boolean and it's clear. And they're just staring at you in the face as you're suffering. That's an indication that their hiring practice needs to, needs improvement. The people that they're running, the people that are running interviews need to get better. And it's a reason that they're probably going to hire talent incorrectly. So you might not want to work there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's kind of another aspect of like putting it back, you interviewing the company. Those are really key, key things, you know, folks, individuals who are interviewing, who get stuck on nonsense happens all the time and it never should. (laughs) I wonder if there's an opportunity. I mean, you might just think you and move on, but I wonder if you could go to a recruiter or hiring manager and say, look, it's just that person, or they just caught them on a bad day. Yep. Would you be fine with doing another round with it? Here's the trick. If you get hired, what do you say to the person who didn't treat you well? Right. I mean, if they're on a different, t- you know, if it's a big enough company, you might never see them again. If, yep. it, if it's a team of six, I think you <laughs> don't do that. You just reject immediately. So- but there's probably some in between there where you're like, Hey, you know, I mean, it happens. People are growing and learning and learning how to interview and that's a skill too. And, you know, or somebody could just have had a really bad day, you know, it's, stuff happens. No, it's true. I mean, I, I, like, I think what you're, what you're getting at Dan is the person who is interviewing could have done a better job. You as a candidate want them to get better in some ways for selfish reasons. And, and that can align for also them getting better. The question is, does the interviewer actually want to get better? Are they tired? Are they just whatever? <clears throat> Are yeah. so, is someone setting the expectation that they should be better as someone pushing them? And I think some of that, from, especially from the outside, outside of an organization where your, your main interface is a recruiter who's just um, like that, that's a challenge. <clears throat> it's a challenging set of feedback if you're in the company and you are a manager of that person. <laughs> I guess the I guess the variables there that I would look at are how well do I know this company already? Yep. And if is this person a good representation of what I already know about the company? And like do I really, really badly want to work at this company? Then I'm gonna then I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna maybe put that effort into like ask for a different um, or am I getting like a bunch of conflicting information? Like I had three interviews were really great interviewers and one of them was you know, clearly not what I would consider. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how often that happens. I bet almost never, but I wonder what the company would say if you did, if, if this is how interviewers are at this company, I don't want to work here, but I'm willing to give you guys another chance. If you send somebody else, <laughs> something like that, you know, I, I, so I think the, the one, so I think the reason that that had, so one question is why hasn't that happened yet? So the reason I think about that is it hasn't happened yet because the incentives are really hard to track and it's hard to know who's bullshitting who. So point being, if I'm, I, I know, <laughs> I know my shit cause I say that I know my shit. And so you should listen to me because I know my shit. Well, do you actually know your shit or are you just trying to, you know, wiggle your way into a company when you're actually unqualified right. and you're kind of an asshole. Yeah. And I think th- that ambiguity is what shuts that down from learning. But what I will say is, um, again, this is like the bad signal now to companies. So my, my warning to companies is if you don't know that your folks that are interviewing are good at the art of in- interviewing, it is, it's, it's an art, right? Um, you are definitely not getting the talent that you should. 
So and that's that's the most of, scary thing. Maybe instead of saying something to the to the uh, companies like, "Hey, you're like two of them were good, one of them was bad," I'll give them another chance. That's coming from like a consumer perspective. Like this is the way I'm my terminology. Yep. But coming from like a sales perspective, like you know, it's like, it's like hey, I love the company. I think I can give some feedback too yep. about like the stuff. What do you think? Like, let's make this work. You know, like make it. I think deal. to your point, Raf, the most productive feedback is specific and actionable. And so, if uh, your feedback to the company is um, Jimbo was a poopyhead, I don't like Jimbo. <laughs> like, that's not going to help, right? But what you can say is, I know what I did wrong. I know I should have like done this instead of that. I understand why I got rejected, but here's the ways in which the company may be filtering, you know, on, on the wrong signals, right? Such as this question might be leaked. If this is really the standard here, you might be judging based on <laughs> whether people have studied that particular question, that leaked question or not, right? Or something of that nature, right? Or you could get to it. I understand why they care about this thing. Um, you know, I, so actually what I will say too is recruiters and everyone does appreciate knowing if, if you can say that, you know, things that could have been better, think about it because <laughs> there's always a time crunch. You're going to do a, an implicitly worse job in that moment. If you can think about it and think of the six different ways that you could have made it better, send that list of six things. See, see, Hey, you know, after you get the rejection, say yes, recruiter, if you don't get any more information, precede the conversation, you know? And then see see where that goes, right? And then then you can evaluate. Well, I got rejected because out of these six things that don't matter, right? Yeah, I'm okay. Like I'll find another thing, yeah. right? Maybe even yeah. a little add add more detail there, which which is like talk seven. to the recruiter, right? Talk to the recruiter yeah. and say, hey, are, are oh, you yeah. uh, selling? Are you, are you uh, closing candidates as as well as you would have expected, given your experience mm -hmm. in other companies and and the talent mm -hmm. of the people? Yeah. Uh, is it is it not as good? Okay, let's. You want to have a conversation about that, and then like, don't give the feedback right away. Like, get them on board first before you even reveal those things. Because, like, 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 uh, like I've said before, the difference between opinion and expertise is someone ask for it. So you have to sell them so they ask you. Yeah. Yep. Solved it. <laughs> I did Solved the hypocritical thing of, you know, giving my my no no opinion. <laughs> uh, you did GDP instead of TCP. It's fine. Right. I would love, I would love to like record a coding interview where the person gets in. You're like, all right, today we're going to balance a binary tree, <laughs> just like start going into a problem that they didn't ask for. Yep. Hilarious. Yep. Definitely. And then like hard mode, the interview gives you like facts that are wrong, and like you have to. That's <laughs> so. I will say, Raf, that's that's another. So I I I as an interviewer would consistently raise a very large flag whenever a candidate said something confidently that was clearly not true, right? Yeah. Don't do that. I love, it's, I love it when that happens because it's just like, what do you do as an interviewer in that situation? You're like, all right, we're just going to gloss right over that because <laughs> you are way overconfident. No, and I, I said, well, so like a lot of times I will say like, well, tell me, tell me more about that. Oh, okay. And sometimes I will challenge them, but it depends. It depends on how much they, they dig in. So. But my whole, like, my default is, like, conflict and uncomfortable avoid avoidance. So if you ask them to dig into it and then they discover during the interview that they were wrong, that could, <laughs> that could put them in a very awkward situation. Of course, if they're 
mature enough, they'll handle. I think that, that, but I think that's important. I think that's going to happen. So, what's what's the point of the interview process if it doesn't help you identify whether someone's going to work well at the company? If right, they are an, unable to like hear that they were wrong and pivot, yeah. If they can't pivot their position, that's a big red flag. Yeah. yeah, for me, the I, I've had some scenarios like this as well. The, the 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 hardest ones are when the candidate can't stop, like can't give you a pause for the for you to jump in and say, "Can you tell me more about that?" They just start talking going. over them. Now you got to talk over them. It's like, and and it's for their own good. And I think it's it's one of these brutal things where it feels like you know, you're you're being rude, and in some ways you are, but you're you're being rude to the person's anxiety. You're not being rude to the person themselves. And there's a difference. So I've, I've good to know. I'm, st- I'm still not totally sure how I feel about that. Next week. <laughs> cool. All right. Should we wrap it up? We'll take it to round two. <laughs>